You may be seated. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to get into the Word of the Lord. If you have your Bible, I'd love it if you turn to Acts chapter 16. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. A big praise report. We started OC Shine Small Group this Sunday morning, and it was a blast. Amen. If you don't know what OC Shine is, there's a wonderful ministry here that was handed straight to Overcome Church by the hand of the Lord through two very faithful uh, people and their friends, uh, Susan and Brian Maddox. They lead this ministry, and I'm going to tell you what, it's for adults with special needs. I'll tell you what, they really lead it in such a one of a kind way, and I, I love it. I love to be a part of something that God has his hand in. If you're ever a part of something that God's hand is not in and you call it ministry, please run. <laughs> but anyway, that was a pastor joke for today. Let's read Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 22. The Bible says this The crowd joined in the attack. Sounds like today, amen. The crowd joined in the attack against them. And the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severally flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. And receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison. Some, somebody say, how deep? Now tell your other neighbor, how wide? They threw them into the jail and ordered the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the, sh uh, the shackles or stocks. And about midnight, the midnight hour, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. Today I want to talk about the praise break. If you're writing anything down, you write that down, the praise break. Somebody tell your neighbor it's coming loose today. Tell your other neighbor it's going to break today. Today I want to talk about the praise break. Now some of us coming from whichever background we come from, some of us in here come from a Pentecostal background, that word or phrase praise break means something different for you today. Some of us come from all different backgrounds, but I'll tell you what, 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 what I think the Lord wants to communicate to you and I today, and I, I feel so, uh, so, um, so tasked with, with conveying this to you today, just like he, he did for me, uh, what I think the Lord wants to say to you and I today is this, is that um, things happen when we lift praises to the Lord. Chains break, walls fall. The enemy's stronghold against us uh, disintegrates at the very sound of praises being lifted up to the Lord. I think we can learn something from this account where Paul and Silas were beaten, flogged, and thrown into the inner jail, the inner prison, and shackled, and the response to that, just that. I don't know about you uh, or, or, or even myself what I would do in a, in a case where I was beaten and shackled in the inner prison. I think that, honestly, if I were to assess uh, how I truly feel, I think I would just fall apart. I think it, it would, to me, it would seem like the end of everything. I'm the end of myself at this moment. I'm going to die here. This is it for me. 
I feel like if I was beaten and thrown into the inner prison for praising the Lord, the last thing that I would openly do, I would like to think nobly, I think all of us would like to think, oh yeah, the first thing I'm doing is praising the Lord. But really, how would you really act? How would you actually react to something like that? I think I'd be so shell-shocked at the fact that I was persecuted for my faith. See, Americans don't really know what it's like to be persecuted for their faith. We don't know what it's like to have to fear an individual walking through that door back there and putting an end to this service because he doesn't like it. We don't know what it's like to truly have to fear that. Now, maybe some of you do because you've traveled abroad or in other places where that is actually something you must worry about. But we're comfortable in this place today, are we not? I mean, the temperature feels okay. Anybody too hot, too cold? Or is it just right? But see, we have to have church just like... What story does that sound like? Goldilocks. Uh, it's got to be not too cold, not too hot, just right. The worship's got to be not too loud, but not too low, just right. They got to sing the right songs, only elevation worship, nothing else. You know, the preacher's got to say something that is so profound that it rocks me to my core, or it's just not good church. And that type of way of thinking is just so unheard of all across the rest of the world. It's, it's crazy to me, but that's a different message for a different time. Becky, don't let me go on these tangents today. Today I wanna to talk about the praise break. Hey, uh, one thing that I think we can learn from Paul and Silas and their reaction to being thrown into the inner prison there and, and secured by their feet, uh, not going anywhere, uh, going anywhere is um, that you need to declare you have a reason to praise. Church, I don't know who I'm speaking to in here today, but we need to declare that we have a reason to praise. It's easier to praise the Lord when you know you have a reason to praise the Lord, but it's also easy just as much. I think I said this last night in some, some conversation. Just as fast as you can talk yourself up is as fast as you can talk yourself out. And that is the same with your praise. Just as fast as you can talk yourself into going to church is just as fast as you can talk yourself out of going to church. Just as fast as you can talk yourself into praising the Lord is just as fast as the enemy can get you to think that it's useless to lift a sound of praise in this prison. Am I speaking to somebody in this room today? You got to declare that you have a reason to praise. Somebody say shout it. Acts chapter 16, 22 through 25 says this, the crowd joined in the attack against them. They were being attacked from all sides. I don't know if anyone in here feels like they've been attacked from all sides in here, but let the word speak. The crowd joined in to attack them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordered, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. And receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I want you to know, church, that it's easy to feel alone when it seems like everything around you is crashing down, when it seems like everything's going wrong in the moment, when it seems like you can't get ahead, when it seems like you're stuck or your feet are stuck in the miry clay, as the psalmist would write, when it seems like you're having the hardest times of your life. I know that it's easy to feel alone, but this is what the Lord wanted me to share with you today, and this is your reason to praise. The Lord has never lost sight of you. There's never been a place 
place that you've gone, a nook or cranny that you've ever hidden in, that God has not had his sight set upon you. He knows where you are and he loves you just the same. There's uh, not a place that you can go to uh, wander out of the sight of God. Also, there's not a place that the enemy will take you that Jesus can't recover you from. Let me speak to you today, okay? There's not a place that the enemy can take you that Jesus can't recover you from. He is uh, the special forces of the special forces, if you will. There is no hostage that the enemy has taken that he can't go in and recover. You want to know why? Because how wide, how deep is the Father's love for you and me? Somebody say that with me. How wide and how deep is the Father's love for you and me? You believe it in this place? you got to declare that you have a reason to praise. And that is your reason to praise. I don't know if you're locked up in the inner prison right now with your feet shackled to the floor. But if that be your case today, I want you to know that if anything, you have a reason to praise. If I'm in the darkest of hells, if I'm in the deepest of prisons, at the very least, I have a reason to praise. Amen? Because there's no place that he can't come get me. There's no place that I'm out of his sight. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's omnipresent and omnipotent. He sees me. You remember Hagar and how she was cast away from Abraham and Sarah and she was out there in the wilderness and what happened? She cried out and the Lord answered and after all was said and done, she named that place there the place where the Lord saw me. I don't know if you're in the wilderness today, but let your wilderness be the place that turns into the place where the Lord saw me. Set up that monument in your life today. I think about this song, uh, Reckless Love, and I, I don't care about your opinion on whether or not God's love is reckless. That's not what we're here to debate. What I want to say is these lyrics mean the most to me in the seasons of darkness that I've walked through, okay? I want you to know there's no shadow he won't light up. No mountain he won't climb up coming after you and I today. Do you understand that? There's no wall he won't kick down or lie he won't tear down coming after you and I. Do you understand that in this place? He's at your defense. And he is the offense. He's here for you. He loves you. He thinks the world of you. Do you know that? You need to know that. That the, the Lord of all creation thinks the world of you. So much so that he would come to die on a cross for you blameless and spotless, taking on the sin of the world, past, present, and future for you. Amen? you got to declare that you have a reason to pray. So I don't know if you've been in some slump lately. I don't know if church just hadn't been hitting right for you lately. I don't know where your relationship is with the Lord lately, but I want you to know that to get out of that or to at least get through whatever you're going through, you got to declare that you have a reason to praise. Let's read Psalm chapter 23. We should know it. I'm sure we do know it. But it means something when we meditate on it. Let's do that. The Lord is my shepherd. That means he's in control and I'm not. That means he guides me, he leads me, and I follow. That means he calls and I come. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Oh, that's the main point there. 
I can walk through the darkest valley because He is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. You got to declare that you have a reason to praise. I don't know, again, I'll say I don't know where you're at in your life today. I don't know what your walk with the Lord's been looking like, but it's easy to be suppressed and feel all alone when it's been a while since you've lived an authentic praise unto the Lord. It's easy to feel like the battle's uh, won by the enemy or, or that you've been beat when it's been a while since you've lived a praise to the Lord that actually meant something. Not out of habit, but out of worship. What kind of reaction is this? It's not the normal human reaction. To be shackled by the feet in the inner prison and choose to lift a praise up unto the Lord. Praying and praising the Lord. I think there's something we can learn from these two men. And mind you, as we're talking about the rest of what we'll talk about, these are men just like you and me. See, we have this problem where we read into the Bible like these men are some uh, supernatural men. There's nothing supernatural about Paul and Silas except for the Holy Spirit that indwells within them. Okay? They are normal men like you and I. And they chose to pray and lift a praise unto the Lord in this deep deep dark moment secondly if you're writing anything down uh it's your second challenge for today you must declare but then also you must listen i say it all the time and i'll say it again it's worth reiteration but when you pray amen isn't the end of the the prayer amen isn't the end of the discussion amen is just the end of your part now you listen now you hear you listen for the sound of chains falling Listen for the sound of chains falling. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 26. The climax of the whole story. Well, no, this isn't the climax. What's to come is the climax, really. But it says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. Wow. What a sight to see. Could you imagine, and this is what, I'll tell you, I'm not big into labeling things as revelations or things like this, but this is the revelation that the Lord gave me as I was studying this, and I shared a little bit with some friends last night. But, you know, sometimes when it feels like all things are falling down around you and crashing down around you, it's easy to panic. But it's really, if you'll look into it, if you'll think about it here, and maybe you can recall a time in your life where this has been the case, but sometimes when it feels like everything you know is crashing down around you, it's really the hand of the Lord breaking every chain that's binding you up and holding you down. And that was the case for Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are in this inner jail, shackled by the feet, and they lift up praises unto the Lord, and this violent earthquake erupts. Now, it's easy to think that they were just like, oh, here he is, he's coming, but I don't think that was the case. I don't know about you, but right here in the very house of God where I feel the safest today, if an earthquake erupted, I'm hitting the deck, okay? I'm hitting the deck quickly, okay? I don't know about you, anybody ever been in an earthquake before? You ever been in one? It's not the funnest scenario, 
Okay, you got to worry about the things underneath you going away. You got to worry about the things above you going away. You got to worry about the things all around you coming down. And you're like the ant that is uh, in the midst of a hailstorm. It's terrible, it's a bad deal. And these guys are sitting there, they're praying, they're praising. Picture this and great and violent earthquakes erupt. I can imagine it was such a scary moment. And that's where. When I was reading the other day and I was just trying to think through the, the, the practical things of this section of Scripture here, I thought about this. I feel like the Lord gave it to me. Is that sometimes in your life, it will feel like everything around you is crashing down. It will feel like everything is being rearranged. Everything is being torn apart and cast asunder. And for some of us, it would be easy for us to say, oh, my life is ended. Oh, it's coming to an end, or oh, everything I've worked for, everything that uh, I've built up around me, or, or at, least, at the very least, everything I've ever known is just crashing down around me, and it's uncomfortable when it happens. It's unsettling when it happens, but the reality of it is, is when you'll look back with hindsight after it's all said and done, it's easy to see, if you'll look at the Lord through it all, that it was His hand all along that was breaking the things that held you down and imprisoned you that the enemy had built up around you. I'll give you an example. There was a time in my life where I thought I had the best job in the world. I had made it. Like there is no place I'd rather be than at this job, serving the Lord in this place with these people. Saw a ministry grow from literally 20 people, 20 kids, teenagers, to almost 100. Double digits getting saved every single week. We were baptizing like crazy. The Lord was moving like crazy. Long story short, in a moment's notice, it dropped like a fly. Everything crashed. And I, I thought it was very easy for me to just go into this state where I was just like, oh God, what happened? Wasn't I faithful to you? Didn't I rely on you? Didn't I pray? Didn't I read? Wasn't I intentional about my relationship with you as I led these people? The ministry was going great. Everything was growing. People were being saved and everything was great. With hindsight now, I know that it was the hand of the Lord that had to demolish the strongholds of the enemy that he was building around me. I don't know if that's the case in your life. If you can sense like the enemy's building some sort of stronghold around you or whatever the case may be, the struggles that rise up against you or, or whatever the case may be in that situation. I don't know if that's you today, but hear this. God will often rearrange your problem to remove the pressure. He will often rearrange your problem to remove the pressure. It's called a praise break, and that's the, uh, the meaning behind this today. It's a praise break. It'll mean more here in just a minute. Here is easy. God was up to something. See, God had to rearrange the bounds or the chains and the walls that, um, that held Paul and Silas captive, the chains, the position of prisoner, and um, uh, all this to restore the jailer. 
I don't know if you've read past or beyond what we uh, originally read, but we will in here, uh, here in just a second. But notice the shift or the change in position. Here, the two men that went from being bound as prisoners um, are now uh, the ones that are kind of on top. The jailer has oppressed them and bound them and imprisoned them, but God has rearranged their problem to remove the pressure in such a way that now they are tasked and on mission to get to the heart of this jailer. It's ridiculous. The Bible says in chapter 16, verse 27, when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself. He was just going to end it. Since he thought that the prisoners has, uh, had escaped. But Paul called out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. I believe at the very side of what he had saw God do. And mind you, after the praises and prayer of the men of God there. And he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The removal or rearranging of the problem that God did became a revival. The walls crashing down became a revival. The chains turned into revival. Isn't that just how God will work? Isn't that just how God will do things? He will take the worst moments of our lives and make them turn into the best things that ever happened to us. He will take the hardest things you've ever walked through and rearrange them to be the most meaningful testimony you could ever tell. That's just how God works. I call those moments in my life praise breaks. Won't He do it? Won't He do it every time? It's what I want you to see. God will take you in your lowest state and exalt you right before the eyes of your adversaries. Look at what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to become something, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. I'll read that again, sorry. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. I don't know if you've been told the lie that you were insignificant or unworthy, but my God has chosen you to be all that he has called you to be, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, and even when you can't sense it or even understand it. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that you are nothing, that God can't use you, that you've gone too far, that you are, you're too sinful. God is in the restoration business, and he is able to bring you up out of any dark jail you're ever in. He's able to take you from sin to saved. He's able to take you as far as the east is from the west, separating you from your sin. The Bible says it, and I believe it. This was the confidence of Paul in chains. Listen to this, Ephesians 6. I know nothing better to do than just to give you Bible. I believe the Bible, so I'm going to give you the Bible. Uh, the confidence of Paul in chains. Listen, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness or with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I'm an ambassador in chains. 
Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Oh, if we would pray that same prayer, if we would just walk in that same light, I may have adversaries against me. I may have strongholds by the enemy built up against me. I may be suffering from something dark and deep right now. I may be going through a hard time right now in my life. The finances may just not be what they need to be. Or my food pantry may not be as full as I would like it to be. But in the name of the Lord, I will be an ambassador for the uh, the Lord of all creation, for Christ our King in chains. If i got to be in chains, I will still be an ambassador for the Lord and speak boldly about the mystery of the Gospel as I should. Amen? That was the confidence of Paul. See, church, you are chosen by God. So you can't be through yet. When you're chosen by the Lord, you can't be done. Until he says you're done. You can't be through yet. Somebody tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him, you're not done. If you're breathing, you're not done. If you woke up this morning, you're not done. It's hard, but you're not done. There's a praise break coming. If you're chosen by God, You can't be through yet. And so if God's got a purpose on my life, then I'm not through yet and I gotta walk in it. I gotta walk through it. I gotta walk around it. I gotta walk over it. I gotta do something. I gotta keep going. I can't just quit here because I'm not done yet. Somebody shout, I'm not done yet. Come on, church, y'all shout it. I'm not done yet. It's when you get to the hard parts in life and all you know is to do, or all you know to do is just to begin to praise the Lord. It's called a praise break. Hey, at the very sound of our praise, walls begin to fall. At the very sound of our prayers, God begins to move. And not because He's some celestial bellhop that comes at our every chime, but He is faithful and just to complete every work that He begins in you. And so if you found Him, uh, if you found yourself in prison, but you still got to praise, somebody shout. It, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Y'all don't believe me in this place. I'm not done. I still got to praise, so I'm not done. I may be in chains, but I'm not done. I will praise the Lord. I'm not done. Third thing I want you to look at is the power the power of the praise. And this is where we get into the meat of everything that was said today what we've read thus far. The power of the praise. Where does this power come from? Because it doesn't come from you and I. It isn't the hymns of praise that break every chain. It's the one who inhabits that praise that does the chain breaking, the soul saving, the way making. It's him. It's the Lord. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we begin to lift up a praise, no matter where we are, God will begin to show up. And when he begins to show up because he inhabits the praises of his people, he will make walls fall and chains break every single time because he's faithful to finish every work he started in you. The songs you sing hold no power of their own. It's the one that the songs are about that brings the power. I've heard this one time. Somebody said to me once, I, don't like, I didn't like worship today. What are you talking about? You didn't like worship today. 
Not to be so brash, but we weren't worshiping you, brother. We're here to lift the praise unto the Lord. I got chains on my feet that need broken. I'm here to lift the praise to the Lord, not you. You can't do nothing about my chains. You can't do nothing about the prison walls that surround me. But I know a man who can. His name is Jesus. Somebody give him a shout of praise in this place. It ain't up to us to like worship today. It's whether or not he liked worship today. He inhabits the praises of his people, the power of our praise is in his presence. I think about this. Uh, we may get a little Baptistal today, actually. We're kind of teetering on the Pentecostal line here because I'm, I'm going to preach on the day of Pentecost, okay? Y'all don't write me off. But you think about this day, okay? This great day where the disciples are up in this upper room and they're looking around. I can imagine playing tic-tac-toe on the table waiting on something to happen because the Lord said something was going to happen. It was going to be great and it was going to be meaningful, but we'll see what happens here. And then all of a sudden... The walls begin to kind of shake and shudder and wind began to blow. And, and, and the Bible depicts something as tongues of fire falling down upon each disciple. And they begin to testify and declare the glories of the Lord. Remember, you got to declare that you have a reason to praise. They begin to declare the glory of the Lord and the word of the Holy Spirit's power, the gospel, the good news. And they begin to shout it. And the, the ones that were gathered outside all heard what they were saying in their own native tongues. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And what would happen is the Holy Spirit showed up and thousands and thousands were saved that day. It was the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of the disciples, not the disciples that just begin to speak. You can utter out whatever you want. You can say words they can even be words of wisdom, but if the Holy Spirit isn't leading those words, it's meaning, meaningless. If the Holy Spirit isn't leading, guiding, and directing you, it's meaningless in relation to um, evangelizing or doing the work of the evangelist. And here, I think about the day of Pentecost where the power was in His presence. The guys were just sitting around and didn't really have much to do or didn't know what to do. They just knew they had to wait on the Lord. And then the presence of the Holy Spirit showed up and uh, that's when it was game on. And I just wonder in here what would happen if we allowed the Holy Spirit to show up and do work in us, right? Because the work starts on the inside of you and I. It doesn't just happen, right? We don't need to wait around, just wait on something to happen. It happens on the inside of you and I, right? So quit looking outside and start looking inside. And what will happen is when we let the presence of the Holy Spirit reign in us and on us and over us, we'll start to see the hand of God break chains and, and loose uh, bounds and, and, and bust walls down and, and uh, man, it'll be a revival. And those that are around will be just as affected as you. I want to think about the jailer for a minute. Paul and Silas were lifting up praise to the Lord. They declared they had a reason to praise and they began to praise the Lord. And what happened was they began to listen and as they listened, chains broke and walls fall, fell and, and, and the doors of the prison were opened wide. Well, there was something else waiting on the outside of those doors, and it was the jailer who had just recently thrown them in there. But y'all tell your neighbors, how deep and how wide is the Father's love for you and me? 
in that day, the jailer about killed himself because he didn't know whether or not he had lost all that he was in charge of. But Paul calls out, he says, hey, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And the jailer was like, all right, well, after seeing the hand of God in that way, I got a question. What do I got to do to be saved? When God shows up, demons flee, chains break, sicknesses just disappear. The dead are raised, walls fall. These are all accounts from the Bible. These are all testimonies. Can I give you a testimony today? Because I believe after seeing what the Lord can do, it'll cause somebody who's teetering on the fence to present the question, what do I got to do to get there? Or maybe, church, if we live a life uh, like the men here, Paul and Silas, in such a way that when we're bound, we praise the Lord. When we don't feel good, we praise the Lord. We lift up prayer and praise the Lord. When all we have left to do is our praise, we lift our praise up. It affects those around us. You have a bullseye on you. You have a target on you, Christian. I want you to know. And folks uh, are looking at you to see how you respond and react to the adverse, uh, adversities in your life, okay? And if people know that you trust the Lord, but when adversity comes upon you and you act like your world is ending, that doesn't declare much to the ones looking at you that you trust the Lord. But if you can lift the praise and begin to truly lean on that trust that you have for the Lord to do His work, the Holy Spirit's power in you, and that speaks a testimony. tell you what, uh, some of you know this, maybe some of you don't, but I was a young man with a split family that would bounce back and forth between homes. I wanted to live with mom a couple years, wanted to live with dad a couple years, and I would bounce back and forth, and I never stayed in the school long enough to really gain any friends or play any sports. I was never allowed to play the sports because I didn't stick around long enough. I was always the new kid everywhere. But that's not the testimony. The testimony is this, that every new place that I went or every new school that I started to attend, um, I would pick out the people groups that seemed the coolest to me, and I would, like a chameleon, take shape. And I would mm, change the way I dressed. I would change the way I talked. I would change the way I acted. I would lie about who I was and where I came from just to fit in, to gain acceptance. And one day I landed in Ringgold, Georgia, and uh, after quitting school, uh, some of you may not know that about me, I quit high school for a couple years um, to take care of my grandmother. That was my excuse, at least. She would have rathered me be in school. After she had gone on to be with the Lord, I uh, went back to school and I met Sandra. And if any of you know me, you know that Sandra is, uh, is my angel. She's not in here for me to publicly... Uh, Say that, but she's my angel. She saved my life. God saved my life through her, and she invited me to church, long story short. I come into contact with the very first man that I'd ever met that didn't want to see the facade in me, but actually had already known who I was from the inside out. His name was Jesus. And I'll tell you what, it wrecked me. Oh no, what will I do? I can't put a facade before this man, Jesus. 
I can't lie to him about where I've been or where I've gone because he knows. So what do I do? He won't like me. And then I heard from the Bible that that's actually the version of me that he likes the best. And right then and there, a boy who had no direction, no purpose, had no clue what he'd do with the rest of his life, had no path to take, didn't know who he was, because I believed the lies that I told every other person that I'd come into contact with, right then and there I found purpose and I found an identity. It was me, the person I had been hiding from my entire life, the person I'd been hiding from everyone else. And the rest is history from there, but I'll tell you, that's what the Lord will do. He'll come in and rearrange the problem. He'll come in and rearrange you from the inside out. He will save you to the uttermost. He will change you, and he will change your perspective. He will change how you eat, sleep, breathe, talk, live. He will change you, and he will make you into someone and something that is invincible to the enemy. Do you know we're not meant to be held captive or bound by the enemy? You and I are called to thrive. We've been given the Holy Spirit. At the very name of Jesus, the one who marks us, you know as a Christian here, you are marked by the Lord. That very name causes the devil to flee. Do you know that you can resist the enemy and he will flee from you? So why are we so bound in this place today? Van, would you come up? You guys come up. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Word of the Lord today. Why are you so bound? You need a praise break. And what that is is simply this. A praise break in Austinology is when you begin to praise Him through the storm, not expecting anything to change. And He comes through breaking every chain, breaking every barrier, breaking everything that stands against you because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And greater is He that is in me than he who is in the world. Amen. Do you believe that? Would you stand with me today? I want to give you the, uh, the, the opportunity of a lifetime to come and encounter the very one that we've been talking about in this place today. He saved me. He separated me as far as the east is from the west from my sin. He took an old sinner just like me, just a wretched man, a guy who had no purpose and no plan, a guy who would rather throw his life away and, and, and not even make anything of himself. He turned that guy, a careless individual, into somebody with purpose and with, um, with, with identity, all for the sake of the progression of the gospel. Later called me into the ministry. Now, today, I get to preach and, and testify of His goodness every single day. And uh, I just want you to know that God will do the same for you. He's got a calling for your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And you're not, you're not meant to just sit here and be quiet. You're not meant to just sit down in your prison and, and just stay shackled. You're meant to break those chains. You're meant to thrive with the Holy Spirit inside of you, leading the way. You're not meant to be bound. So let those chains break today. Let the walls, the barriers that hold you into the inner prison be cast down all around you. And it may be uncomfortable because things will change in your life. Everyone you ever knew may fall away. 
The comforts of life may need to disappear at the sound of Jesus' name. But I'll tell you, on the other side, you'll look back and say, wow, those walls that fell all around me that scared me to death were actually the hand of God himself doing the mightiest work on my life. Would you come before the Lord? Would you come and do business with the Lord today? The Bible says above all else, this is a house of prayer. It's a place where we come to the Lord. It tells us we can cast our cares before Him because He cares for us. So would you do that today? If you have a need, if you need to come before the throne of grace to find help in your time of need, you come now and you bow at this altar and you give it to the Lord. And don't take it back up, but trust Him with it. Can you do that today? I want to give you this opportunity now.